The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are now listening to Know the Score on the CSPN. I am your host, Tyler Ball. My panelists are Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at I underscore am underscore J9911. Jeremy's a Cubs fan, and he's here to discuss the uh, the epicness of the Cubs finally winning the World Series. My other panelist is Chris Stevens, also known at on Twitter as at CJ Starchild. Chris is the host of our fellow CSPN show, Riding and Rolling, and we're here to talk sports. Gentlemen, uh, we're going to start off. Uh, discussing what went on at the World Series. Obviously, the Cubs were able to overcome a 3-1 deficit in defeating the Cleveland baseball team. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) uh, Jeremy, I'm going to start out with your perspective, being an actual fan, and this long drought is over. Just describe your feeling from the – just on Game 7 and on to the celebration. Okay, game seven. Now that it's over, you know, I'm, I'm euphoric, of course. But prior to the game started, everyone was telling me, oh, we just want a good game, want a nice, epic game. Like, no, I want a blowout. I want to know about a second inning if I'm going to be cheering or if I'm going to just be in sorrow so I get out the way. Um, because I'm, I'm also a Saints fan and the 2012 Division Champions, this Division game is still hurts. Anyway, um, as the game was going on, you know, we got into the early lead, the Bayer's home run. That made it 5-1, and I start preparing myself, okay, the, the route may be on, but not my Cubs. They find ways to make this difficult on everyone's heart. So Joe Madden did everything he could to lose this game, takes out Kendricks, even though I kind of understood it because the, it should have been over. In the, he should have got the five innings. They had a strike. Everyone saw it was in a harder plate except for the umpire who was in charge of the biggest game of the season. And he might he might have thought he was rattled. So let's bring in the guy who doesn't ever like a runner on base in his life, John Lester, and the old man David Ross, who we all, you know, Cubs fans want to adore. First, get a th- gets about thrown in his face, and second, and also he throws the ball to. No, I'm sorry, he throws the ball to right field, and then he gets the ball thrown to his face. So yeah, that that's yeah ex- the pain already. So. Go on. We have, you know, another run to score. I, I, I can't remember who hit the home run. It's, it's still a blank right now. Um, but I also, I do remember Madden after John Lester settles in. Oh, let's bring in the flamethrower. Doesn't matter that John Lester is already starting to get into a flow of the game. Let's bring in um, Chapman. Chapman gets in a little a struggle. He gives up a double to the gap. And then Rajay Davis, who I thought I was going to have to hate for the rest of my life, Hits a two-run home run, and I cut the game off. I, I couldn't deal with this pain again. Bottom eight, two outs, just like in 2003 at the top of eight, two outs. Just the one out, I'm sorry. And Alex Gonzalez boosted the, the play ball. I thought the Roger Davis home run was the beginning of the end. Yet again, I cut the game off for the good five minutes because I couldn't deal with this pain again. Again, I wanted to blow out. I didn't need, I didn't need drama. Everyone else on Twitter is – getting lit or whatever they <laughs> the young folks called it. Everyone's having in their life and I'm sitting there in crushing agony. And then the rain comes. And the rain, I think, okay, this is terrible. But then I thought, if Prince can play 
the Super Bowl halftime show in the rain. Maybe it's a sign from above that he's sending down for my Cubs to win the game. Again, this is irrational, so bear with me. And, you know, get two runs in the 10th. Ben Zobaris will be – I will buy him a meal if I ever see him in life. Gets the, the, the game with Vince Tantai double, and um, they score another run. And we somehow pull it out, even though we give up a run in the 10th. And, yeah, I'm relieved. I'm still not in a place of joy and happiness to, you know, talk my – ish i'm just relieved that we don't have to deal with pain anymore so my apology if you wanted me to come and be raucous and everything i'm just we survived and we won and i've never felt this good about even better than my my saints i've never felt this relieved and satisfied for cheering for a team ever in my life cj uh you've kind of had that perspective too uh being in philly uh with the phillies just talk about what your what your perspective may have been just looking at this game and maybe as a as an outsider looking at a team ending a drought. And, you know, we can mention the Eagles too because they're you know, they're still they're the only NFC East team to not win a title. So describe what it what it may have looked like so for an outsider. Well to be honest with you, when the Phillies won in two thousand and eight, I didn't have a real sense of, you know, you know, and long suffering drought ending because that was a team that was built to win, you know, over a long stretch of time, but, you know, it wasn't going to be long before they won the World Series, you know, with Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, and those guys. But with the Cubs, we're talking about generational suffering here. We're talking about 1908, when cards were first invented, when uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, was president of the United States. Black people could, black people and women couldn't even vote yet. <laughs> so we're talking about a really long time for a loyal group of fans who have seen loved ones pass on without the Cubs winning the World Series. I do remember seeing on Twitter a lady talking about her father's grand, her father's father passed away in 1980. He said he would always listen to, to the World Series winning game with him, and they went out to, you know, her grandfather's gravesite and actually did that. So this is something, you know, that honestly should be the story of 2016 if we're talking sports, because 108 years is a long time to suffer. Now, I'm not really an Eagles fan. I just happen to live in the area. I used to be a Cleveland Browns fan, but now I'm retired for the sake of my sanity and my health. So... <laughs> But just watching the Eagles from a distance, you get the sense that their fans are starting to enter Cubs territory. Like, you know, the Cubs have been lovable losers in, you know, in the culture, in sports for as long as I can remember. Eagles fans, I don't know if you would call them lovable losers considering, you know, the <laughs> reputation of the Philadelphia sports fan. But they still start – they, they're starting to have a little, you know, character, a little, you know – personality to them too about being long suffering fans because if you mention anything about Donovan McNabb yakking in the Super Bowl or the the three failures in the NFC championship game, they will light you on fire. You know, as loving and hopeful as the Cubs, they'll probably sprinkle a few four letter words in there. So <laughs> you you get the sense that Eagles fans are entering that territory of, you know, long suffering because it's not really that many people alive that remember the Eagles winning an NFL championship in 1960. And because, of course, it was before the Super Bowl era, a lot of fans, you know, jokingly or not, pretend it doesn't like the count. I think Eagles are starting to enter Cubs territory, but I don't think anything's ever going to surpass, you know, waiting 108 years and six, seven generations for your day to finally come. So this is a special time for Cubs fans, and I really hope they enjoy it. Okay, going back to Jeremy, um, we're looking at, I guess, that we, you know, it, we're in such a next thing type of generation. Um, as you look at the Cubs, as far as the future, we can also look at uh, Cleveland as well. 
these teams are pretty much stacked and young and waiting for, um, you know, there are going to be some opportunities for them to not only just win this year, but maybe next year and the year after. Um, they've done a lot for uh, – they've done a lot as far as building through this uh, process that Theo Epstein's been talking about, and now it's here. So uh, what do you see f- in the future for the, for the Cubs? Well, you know, I'll never predict championships this early. But, yeah, we're set for the long haul, especially the – Offense, have you know, everyone's basically on rookie deals. Um, we have the MVP who just made a little less than $550,000. So we're set up for the long haul. Now we do have to sign Arietta. Now, after next season, Fowler is opted out as he should um, to be a free agent. So we may need a leadoff hitter. Um, we're going to be saddled with Jason Hayward's great defense and horrible um, batting for the next three years, I think, before he can opt out. But if he goes like this, why would he opt out? Um, but for the grand scheme of things, you know, Lester, even though he's on, he's um, 31 or 32, I believe, he still is a given as good on. We have the ERA leader. He's fairly young. I think he's 25. So we are set for a long haul. We, we weren't set to win now, but we did win now, and we can win for the next three, four years um, before free agency really starts hitting for like Rizzo and people that I think. Um, as we all, we all can, I guess, have a perspective on this too. As far as the American League, um, I think it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. Um, Cleveland shocked a lot of people with their bullpen, and you know that that can that can come and go. Um, do you do either? You guys think that they're the best team going into next year, or what about Toronto or Baltimore? Or even the, um, you know, impossible. Of course, you gotta gotta consider the Yankees and Red Sox too. Um, any other idea who may challenge in the American League? I still think personally, the Houston Astros are the team that probably mirrors the Cubs the most in terms of building for the long haul. They still have Jose Altuve, who's in his late twenties. George Springer, you know, they have a pretty solid pitching staff. They just had a hiccup of the year because the Rangers actually played lights out, which actually. Surprised the hell out of me, but of course we saw that didn't last very long for them. But I think with the Yankees are building under the radar, there's something to watch out for because they finally, you know, dumped two of their biggest albatrosses in a market to share and Alex Rodriguez. They've got the youth coming in. They've got pitching in the minor league that's supposed to be second to none. So I think the Indians for at least the next year or two should be able to make it back. But after that, that's when it gets a little hairy. So as we look forward to um, winter ball and the new major league season. Just want to congratulate the Chicago Cubs uh, since 1908. When I'd like to mention a another um, historic organization was founded. It's been a mighty long time, 108 years. As we move on to the NBA, uh, of course, we're in week two of the of the new season. Uh, marquee matchups, of course, are all over the place. Uh, there was one major one this week. We had the uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, of course, the highlight has been more billed as a uh, two former teammates, uh, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, uh, actually going up against each other for the first time. But of course, in just like the, normally these matchups, uh, one usually gets the better of the other. And in this time, it was Durant as he dominated, scoring 39 points. Uh, 
he looked like he was, you know, it was like he belonged out there on the floor. While Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook struggled as he's, you know, trying to get his teammates involved. And, you know, each of them made some plays, but bottom line, the Warriors were just simply better. Do you guys see this as a trend or, you know, is this going to, would be what you see from Durant and is Russell just going to be, he's going to be always in a situation where he's going to need some help. Uh, we can start with uh, Jeremy. I mean, the Warriors are a powerhouse for the most part. So they, the Thunder may win one at home, I believe maybe um, Russ, the way, the way teams are stacked up, the way uh, organizations are built and you need at least, Two, maybe even thirty-three people could get their own shot. Who can have outside shooting? And the Thunder, the way they built, they they just put a hundred million dollars in Stephen Adams. I like Oladipo, but he isn't nowhere near on par to the Warriors' fourth best player right now. So, and they they, they maxed out camps for last year. So, I don't think they're they're going to be on par with each other for the next couple of years. But it will be fun um, watching Russ troll KD every time um, when he puts on an outfit or he does that great commercial he did with the brand. That's going to be fun to watch. Okay, uh, Chris, what do you think about the uh, KD Russell? Um, are we just making this as a soap opera when in reality it's not? Um, you know, or, or are we just rooting for Russell because he's going to be the underdog now? I think from a couple of perspectives, Russell Westbrook is definitely the underdog in this whole thing because for the last, I want to say, five years, ever since um, Dallas quickly got rid of them in the 2011 Western Conference Finals, it was sort of this whole thing made that you know, Russ was holding KD back, and, you know, that, you know, Durant was, you know, this humble, unassuming superstar, you know, who we all remember the tearful year to throw MVP speech, you know, with his mother, and everybody saw Russ as like this, you know, the best way I can do it, and I'm going to, you know, cross-reference podcast here, shout out to Rasselcast and New Slay, um, you, you can look at Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook's, Russell Westbrook, excuse me, relationship as, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, you know, they're the tail end of the Rockers. You know, that it was clear that Shawn Michaels was bound for superstardom and Marty Jannetty was just, you know. But the thing is, people don't realize that Durant is more Shawn Michaels than Russell Westbrook could ever be. Because there's no real way to say, you know, I believe it. But to do it, you know, in such a fashion where it seemed like that Oklahoma City really never gave you any help is just a lot. And then you felt like, you know, you were better off with, you know, if you, if you want to go somewhere else, that's fine. But don't, you know, throw stones and hide your hands as KD kind of did with Russ. If Russ is not a guy that's going to take that lightly. So, like uh, like Jeremy said, I'm very much looking forward to Russ just trying to take KD's head off every time they play. Okay. So, we're looking further to um, the NBA. Uh, you got the Bulls. Um, the Bulls jumped out to a 3-0 three, three start before their first loss uh, to the Celtics. Um, that 3-0 start was the first since the 72-win Bulls uh, of, uh, of course, 96-97. Um, you look at the Cavs, which have gone up to a 5-0 start. And meanwhile, the other uh, quote-unquote super team, uh, the New York Knicks, have combined <laughs> along with the Washington Wizards have combined to go 1-6. and six. So uh, anything you see in particular with the East or uh, – with any prop, um, you know what what's going on with the Eastern Conference so far? Anything you see, and this is open. Um, you know, Chris or, or Jeremy, you can take his perspective. Um, I like how Toronto and especially the DeRozan has taken it personally that we all have disrespected them um, for having that run they did last year. Um, 
Now, I don't know if that means they're going to re- replicate that and go back to the Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, an injury here or there. You know, everyone can, can suffer. But I'm really intrigued that Toronto is, has not taken their foot off the gas as a team, and especially tomorrow. We all, you know, ridiculed the contract. But he's, he's taking the ball by the horn, so to speak, and just, he's been going at it. Okay. Uh, Chris, any anything you see so far in the East? I'm genuinely surprised at how well the Indiana Pacers are playing now. I thought that having a Jack and Joe like Monte Ellis and Jeff T in the same backcourt would really hamper any chances of Paul George really getting back his, you know, his all-star form, even though he was, you know, pretty good last year. But the most important part to the Pacers' success, success so far is that Miles Turner has emerged into the big dog that Larry Bird really thought he would be. And that is going to buy a lot of time for Paul George to, you know, to get his issue off and for Ellis and T to work out however they want to share the ball. Because when you have a guy at 6'11", 250, that can hit it from the outside, get to the bucket, and, you know, defend the rim as well as Miles Turner does, that's a bonus. As much as we talk about positionless basketball and the quote-unquote depth of the center, guys like Miles Turner and Joel Embiid are showing that it's not a lost cause to have a big guy, you know, plugging up the middle. So I really like what the Patriots are doing so far. Okay, my spin on it uh, was caught my eye. Um, being a Wizards fan, uh, this is very interesting. Um, it's like they're starting over for some reason. Uh, the same problems that surfaced before, uh, you know, the inability to hit perimeter shots, uh, no reliability in the, on the, um, in the interior. Uh, you know, John Wall and Bradley Beal kind of had this little mini quote-unquote feud in the offseason with who's going to be the big dog and who's going to be the, um, be you know, be the sidekick. And it's actually showing up on the court. Um, just just bad decision-making. But the cr- most critical part is defensively. They're just not good. Uh, same thing with the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks actually, um, it took a, you know, even though he's a veteran, he's still not the guy you would expect. Uh, Courtney, Nick, Courtney Lee, Lee has actually spoken up uh and he said that the the team needs to practice against the pick and roll more than they do against the triangle, which makes perfect sense because that's what they're going to see. Teams are going to pick and roll in the death uh, because they have a big man in Chris Porzingis who still is learning how to get back on defense. You take him out of the post, and that opens up things to um, that opens up your offense. And of course, the way things are run being run right now. Uh, the Knicks just aren't a good help and, you know, help and recover team. So uh, right now they're just going to have to outscore people, and I just don't think they're they're good enough to do that. Uh, we look in the Western Conference. Um, it's pretty much same old, same old. A um, bunch of teams are, you know, really getting off to expectedly good starts. Um, you know, this this where you, you can see just the really bad teams uh, – Unfortunately, you have a great player like Anthony Davis that's still stuck in purgatory with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, you know, Davis Davis has already put up a 50.16 rebound game, and of course, the Pelicans lost. Um, is is there any hope for him in the future, or is he just going to have to get out of New Orleans? Uh, Jeremy? Um, being a New Orleanian, there's no hope. Um, we they they've tried to 
speed they tried to speed up the process and they ran into injuries. Every person that they got, um, Eric Gordon before the trade, but that was that trade is what got the number one pick to get Anthony Davis. They traded for Drew Holiday. Um, they signed Tyreek Evans at twelve oh one. They made the trade, um, which at the time was a steal for um, Ryan Anderson, and gave him a you know a nine year nine million dollar year contract. And they played, I want to say, three hundred. Not, not even three in, in a, a four year time. They might have played two hundred games together. Um, the the height of that core was a full first round sweep where Anthony Davis did everything and he looked good and put him on the map and no one else has showed up. And since the fourth game, well, since the third game of that series, it's been bleak. And now they try to re- just hit the reset button while having this once in a generational talent. And they signed the guy, Solomon Hill. I tried to be, you know, to, to be positive and say, well, he's a defensive stopper. And he's, you know, a piece. And when things come back, yeah, he gives up the game winning layup in overtime last night as he continues to clunk three point after three pointer. Um, it's the, the, it's been known to everyone. He's putting up these video game numbers and losses. And I'm just counting down the days, the months, the years until he demands for a trade on his opt down the year before his opt out. And we hit the reset button hit again down in New Orleans. Um, and that's it. I'm just going to enjoy watching them live until he puts on someone else's jersey and then he starts winning again. Okay, Chris, any perspective on the West so far? My perspective is I really think that until the Golden State Warriors find somebody who can actually play some post defense, they are not winning the NBA championship this year. I just don't see it. When you have, you know, you, it's, it's good to have guys that can stretch the floor. I mean, you got Durant in 6'11 who can light it up. You know, Curry's, you know, guys. But the, the part that really hurt the Warriors last year in the uh, finals was not only Draymond Green having an affinity for his opponent's uh, private area, was that, Tristan, was that Tristan Thompson was grabbing every rebound in the site. He was Dennis Rodman 2.0. So when you have, you know, that kind of difficulty, you know, on the boards, and the jump shots aren't going to always fall, so you've got to crash the glass at some point, and I don't see that. I mean, I saw it when the Spurs, you know, literally backhanded them on opening night by 29 points. If you can't defend the post, if you can't grab a rebound, if you can't protect the rim, it doesn't matter how many three-pointers you hit, you're not going to win. So I think while the Warriors can get away with it in the regular season, it's going to be really hard for them to get by teams such as the Clippers and the Spurs who actually make a concerted effort to play post defense and rebound. And it's very, very interesting you mentioned that because last night, um, as, as we're recording, this is uh, Saturday. This will air on Sunday. Of course, Friday night they lose to the Los Angeles Lakers for this. Um, and, of course, they lost to them last year. giving, <laughs> And it was um, – Definitely, they uh, somehow the Lakers were able were just the more dominant team in the post, and of course you're not going to get Steph uh, Steph Curry missing uh, ten threes. Actually, he first time in 157 games where he did not hit a three pointer. So uh, those are very very evident. Uh, also in the West, uh, very weird to see Dallas at 0 and 4 in the standings, but they. Uh, it might get worse before it gets better because Dirk Nowitzki is going to be out a few games with a uh, lower leg injury. It was just announced. Fortunately, surgery will not be needed, but he will miss some time. And, of course, uh, anytime you go on a losing streak in the West, it's compounded because there's so many competitive teams. You know, you you can lose eight or nine or ten games in a row 
and end up falling six spots in in the conference. So um, Dallas is going to be on a hard road to get back into playoff contention. And, you know, they've got some defensive questions as well. So we should soon see uh, as we approach uh, December and your first 20 game, your first 20 games will give you an idea of who's going to be in contention. We want to remind you that you are listening to Know the Score on the CSPN. And this great show is brought to you by the good folks at Amazon.com. When you're shopping for, when you're shopping at Amazon.com, don't forget to click on our uh, Keep Our Podcast Free link at CSPN. The link is at the top of the page. From there, you can scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. You can purchase items from Amazon as you normally would. Anything from books to music, electronics, jewelry, apparel. And for every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends to CSPN a payment that helps keep this Know the Score podcast and our other podcasts free at listeners for no extra cost to you. If you shop at Amazon often, simply bookmark the link or add it as your homepage so that you can help the CSPN each time you order. We thank you for your support. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Okay, we move on into week nine of the NFL season. And week nine actually got off to a rousing start with, uh, believe it or not, one of the hottest teams in football, in particular offense, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Thursday night, they were able to put up a ton of points as usual. Uh, they hit the 40 mark for the, uh, I believe, the third time this season. And actually, as far as the 29 other teams, it's only been done uh, twice. So, uh, you guys, just talk about the Falcons' offense and uh, do you believe that they are actually uh, playoff ready? And we can start with uh, CJ. For all of the foolishness that the Atlanta Falcons have put their fans and sports Twitter through for the last – I don't know, probably five or six seasons. This might actually be the year that they actually get out of their own way and make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not making any predictions that they will, but when you have Matt Ryan, you can go off top to Julius Jones and Muhammad Sanu, and you can uh, hand the ball off to a workhorse back like Devontae Freeman, and that offensive line just has to stay healthy and stay intact. The Falcons have the best offensive football right now. So the thing is, they already, you know, they can, you know, win this division by Thanksgiving because the Panthers are not going to write this shit. God only knows how the Saints are going to go from week to week. And the Buccaneers have been a grave disappointment for me. Like, that was my dark horse pick to win the NFC. But for some strange reason, they forgot how to play defense. So if the Falcons can just stay healthy, stay the course, don't make any bonehead decisions. Because the only contender I see other than the Falcons at the NFC right now is the Dallas Cowboys. So the Falcons just, you know, stay the course. They'll be fine. Okay, Jeremy, as a Saints fan, uh, what's your perspective on the Falcons, given the, the Saints aren't that bad offensively either? Uh, just uh, what's your uh, your take on the Falcons? Uh, since I want to abstain to this topic, um, man, they're good. Like, just to be, 100%, to be honest, they're good. I mean, they have the best wide receiver in football in Julio Jones. Um, their defense is opportunistic. Um, they – the, the offense um, put up 45 points in the dome like like it was nothing. Um, that being said, I pray to God every time that they lose. Um, and I appreciate Chris letting me know that Thanksgiving I have no reason to watch football because they're going to dominate this division because he's right. My Saints are inconsistent. Um, 
they went 0-3 and everyone said that it was over. And I told them, just this is what the Saints do. They're going to raise our expectations and they're going to drop. And Atlanta has just moved on along and, you know, dominated everyone they passed after they, um, after they had the setback in Seattle. They said enough of this. And, and, and San Diego, they said enough. We're we putting everything on Matt and Julio. And I there's going to be maybe two MVPs residing in the NFC South, and neither one of them is going to be Drew Brees, and my head's going to explode when this happens. But I have to admit, they are flying high in that offense. You cannot contain Julio. If you try to put three guys on like Green Bay did, Matt Ryan is finding, you know, they got the rookie of the speedster. Um, well, I received they put on the jet sweep, and he had a big play in Tampa Bay. Devonta Freeman still runs through everybody. Um, and when Tevin Coleman comes back, that's another speed element on the offense that they haven't exploited in the last two games that they've won. So, you know, they are the height of this division outside of Dallas and maybe Seattle. They are the other Super Bowl contender for this conference as much as it pains me to admit that. Um, any, uh, as we look uh, at any other uh, contenders, we saw what you said, the Cowboys. Um, any other contenders as far as the Super Bowl? Let's look at the AFC side, other than the Patriots, obviously. Um, look at any other – are there any other AFC teams that look like they can beat the Patriots and, and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? I'll go ahead. Um, not really. I don't trust Denver's offense, and I don't trust Pittsburgh's defense. Um, J.I. just ran through them the last time we saw Pittsburgh. They were getting ran upon by J.I. And I'm sorry, I don't trust Trevor Simeon and C.J. Anderson is now hurt and – Booker is a fumble waiting to happen. He fumbled the first drive of the Denver series. And the machine, which is cutthroat and callous and tells the guy, hey, congratulations, you want a Super Bowl with us now, go to the Browns, is going to go along because they have the greatest tight end we've ever seen and Tom Brady. And they find ways to win, and I don't see anyone taking them down. Uh, CJ, any, any perspective on the AFC? Well, I can't disagree with what Jeremy said because, you know, as good as that Broncos defense is, we still don't know enough about Trevor Simeon as the quarterback when the times are really rough. And without C.J. Anderson running back, it's really taken away a safety valve for him. Uh, you never can tell with what Ben R. Kelly is capable of. So, you know, you can't dismiss the Steelers necessarily, but as, if their defense doesn't get it together, they'll, they'll be dismissed in short order. But my surprise team that I really think you know, in a one-and-done situation with nothing to lose and with their own verbal damage the head coach that can really shock the Patriots is Dalton Raiders. Like their car, love that defense with uh, Khalil Mack, you know, playing the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Jack Del Rio is a weirdo, but he's a local weirdo as a head coach. <laughs> and Raiders really just, you know, have resurrected themselves in the mold of Al Davis, even though they're probably bound for Las Vegas in the next couple of years. So, you know, if, if there's any team, you know, that could be like, save us Chris Jericho from 2009. All right. Um, as we look into the, uh, as far as the NFL this week, uh, the main talk around the league is the issues with the referees and their inconsistency. Um, Cam Newton particularly spoke about the missed, uh, the missed calls that were going against him. Um, you know, let's add that Cam is coming off a season in which he did not have an accepted uh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct against him. Uh, he spoke out specifically after taking another in-the-pocket hit against the Cardinals. 
the NFL office responded and said that that they not only did they confirm that they missed the calls, but they also said that Cam, in order to sort of quote unquote discredit Cam, they also said that there are eleven more quarterbacks that have had more missed unsportsmanlike conduct calls against them. Uh, you got uh, the NFL also came under attack by Josh Norman uh, calling out the inconsistency um, in terms of celebration. And, um, you know, this thing is all the way down to Richard Sherman commenting on the NFL's con- uh, control. He's always been – Sherman's always been a critic of the NFL, um, the NFL office, but particularly he's speaking of the uh, control issues and the lack of celebration as the quote-unquote no-fun league. Uh, gentlemen, uh, just comment on your persp- on your take on the uh, lack of consistent NFL officiating and – um, what can the league do to, you know, make the game a little bit more endearing to particularly not only the players, but the fans. Um, we can start with Jeremy. All I ask for is consistency. If you're going to not call it, going to swallow the whistle, swallow the whistles. If you're going to call it tight, call it tight. Um, we, I, as a Saints fan, I watched, you know, Saints in Seattle and it was discrepancy in penalties. And while I appreciate they swallowing the whistle, their swallowing of the whistles, on outs for our part, Willie Sneed took out two cornerbacks on two different plays for a little um, flare one um, one yard passes, one for a touchdown for um, Brandon Cooks, and they have to gripe. And Seattle has every room to gripe about the penalties, except for the fact that they play Al Harris, Harris coverage of they can't call pass interference every time, so we're going to clutch and grab as many times as we want. And this time, Ed Hockley wasn't having it, and they called. Um, Illegal contact at least five times. Um, as for Cam, he's the MVP. And I don't want to hear about these 11 guys who they miscalled. They had Alex Smith and a whole bunch of no-name guys and um, Ben Roethlisberger, and I understand that. But this is the MVP. And for him to take these unnecessary hits and for him to take a hit to the knee, which ironically took out Carson Palmer, and almost ruined his career, and they ruined Tom Brady. It uh, took out a season with Tom Brady on a similar hit um, rest of their Super Bowl year. To have your MVP take that hit, not get a call, and then try to double back, say, oh, well, we missed it, but here's a list of all the other guys we missed. Yeah, so you're just incompetent? incompetent? That's what y'all, that's that, that's the horse y'all don't ride with. We, we just suck at our job, so just take it as it is. No, be consistent. Either, you know, Call it down the middle for every quarterback in Cam's case or for every infraction or swallow your whistles. But let us know up front so we can know what we're expect to expect. All right, CJ. As much as I want to laugh at Mr. All Lives Matter and his manner of texting like a teenager, I actually agree. This is really horrible when the guy who's supposed to be the face of your league, who's doing a kid show on Nickelodeon, mind you, almost said ESPN, on Nickelodeon, mind where he goes and helps these little kids fulfill their dreams with that great big smile on his face, and you're telling me you can't protect the face of the league? Come on, now. And then, like, and like Jeremy said, the 11 jabronis that they called out, you know, for, you know, that, oh, we miss those guys. I'm not just a damn about Alex Smith. Come on, this is Cam Newton. This is the guy who brought fun back to the no fun league. And you're going to tell us that, you know, you can't protect him? In any other form of arena, you know, of this world of ours where you have to work to make a living, if you come out and say you're bad at your job, so if the NFL officials can't really, you know, admit 
that they need to do some work. If Roger Goodell, in his all experience, head up his assets, needs to find a new set of guys who can actually call the games correctly. Like Jeremy said, if you will call it tight, call it tight. If you want to let them play, let them play. Don't let it be one way one week and one way the other week. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I'm just, it's bad optics for the NFL office to not only say that our referees are inconsistent, but we're really not going to do anything about it. I mean, essentially, the, the, the mood is the uh, the answer the NFL office is going to give is tough. And what's, what's more hilarious is that the players that are speaking out against Cam Newton are actually it reinforcing the fact that it's, a, a, you know, you're not going, you you don't want to call for consistency by just saying that, oh, well, we're playing football, so we're supposed to get hit. Uh, dude, you guys make money, particularly def- defensive players. You guys make money by being able to get to the quarterback. If they're going to call roughing the passer inconsistently, you can't rush the passer. So could be equal to hustling backwards. <laughs> I, I absolutely yeah. agree. And I just want to chime in that Russell Wilson has the nerve to chastise Cam. If Russ gets thrown on his butt, mind you, Cam is 6'5", 250. Russell Wilson on a good day is 5'9", 205 pounds. If you, you know, go down, you know, with a hit to the knee or one of these big defenders wraps you up and twists you around like a Twizzlers bar, you're going to be really upset and wondering where the call is, especially if you don't get the call. So, I really would wish that, you know, guys like Russell Wilson and other offensive players that have said, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's part of the game would understand that they're very much at risk as well by the inconsistency of these officials. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Cam specifically said we are talking about calls in their pocket. I mean, Cam's not an idiot. He actually said in the press conference that he knows he is a runner. On, on most of the plays, he was specifically dressing addressing throws in the pocket. I don't know. I don't know how you can't you can't say it plainer than that. He made it and he made it specifically including throws that he makes when he is in the pocket that he's supposed to get protection from. I just don't see how how these these NFL players. I mean. My my only my only perspective is these guys that are speaking out against what he said are just a bunch of haters. I mean, they didn't like it because Cam had a great year last year. He danced on them, and uh, you know some other. Um, you know when he enjoyed his success, they didn't like it, and you know I'm all cool with that. But when you're talking about consistency of the game and referee calls, then you uh you know he's kind of speaking. He's really speaking for everybody. You know, even though he's specifically pointing to himself, this affects everybody. So, uh, Jeremy, yeah. you want to want to say something? Yeah, yeah and um, more importantly, we talk about taking this man's knees out, and we understand that the, you know hits to the head are you know what they're really focusing on nowadays. Like Drew Brees gets slapped on the head with a love tap, and they pull the flag because he's six foot nothing, a hundred nothing. But you talk about taking this man's livelihood out. He's he knows he's a runner. You know he's a runner. So to have a 300-pound guy go after his knees in the pocket where he's supposed to be protected is ridiculous for you not to save this guy from these guys who are obviously still upset that he went out, he, he had a ball, he made it. He made the field his playground last year. He was a robot for all this. He, he, he throws the ball like he's um, – he almost had Culpepper's arm 
but he has Steve Young legs, and he's just he, he, he's he's a machine out there. And you got him at it. They had he had fun last year, so we're gonna do everything. And, and you kill a, a snake by cutting his head. I understand that, but when when he's in the pocket, you gotta protect him, Russ. And the, you gotta understand that these guys are trying to take him out because he is the entire offense. He's the running game. He's the passing game. He has no line. It is him. He is the he is the definition of an MVP. It's him and nobody else. He sets the tone for everyone. And to not protect this guy, who again is your face, is insane. All right. Um, one last look at the NFL. Um, you know, the week nine games are kind of uh, uh, the slate of week nine games. You have the uh, Lions taking on the Vikings, Eagles at the Giants, Jets at Dolphins, Jaguars at Chiefs, Cowboys at Browns. Steelers at Ravens, and those are your 1 o'clock games. You have four 4 o'clock games, Saints at Niners, Panthers at Rams, Colts at Packers, Titans at Chargers. The Sunday night game is probably the marquee, which is the Broncos at Raiders, your typical AFC West rivalry. And it kind of takes more meaning now that the Raiders are amazingly 6-2. and two. Um, And you look at Buffalo and Seattle as the Monday night game. Um, any particular matchup you guys are looking forward to this week? Uh, we can st- start with uh, let's start with Jimmy. Uh, mm-hmm. No, go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, for me, it, it doesn't look like much, but I really wanted to see how the Packers, you know, go in the second half of the season. We've already seen that, you know, their defense is still just as busted up as it ever was, and they're still trying to find a running back to replace uh, Taco Man Eddie Lacy. So. Can Aaron Rodgers really carry this team by himself to another NFC North Championship? We're definitely about to find out because he, other than the receivers, Green Bay has absolutely nothing to talk about. Okay, Jeremy, it's your your matchup of the week. Uh, my, I'm going to go to the Sunday Night Football game. Like I do not have faith in the Raiders. I believe that. I mean, I think they still have the lowest um, point differential of all the winning teams. They beat the Saints by one. They beat um, they just beat the Bucks, you know, in overtime. I don't believe them. So I want to see them on, at home where, crazy enough, they have more. They only have one win at home. But I want to see if they want to step into this challenge when you see Von uh, Miller and Shane Ray and that defense. And even though Saliba's out, their secondary is devastating. Um, and Chris Williams is just a man locking down people on wide receivers. I want to see if that team is for real. If they can beat Denver, even though it's just at home, if they can beat Denver, I'll believe. But I'm really looking forward to that Sunday night matchup. Just a reminder that you are listening to Know the Score here on the CSPN, brought to you by Skull Candy. Skull Candy makes the best headphones, earbuds, and gaming headsets, all with lifetime warranties. Skull Candy produces many types of audio accessories, including headphones, sports earbuds, Xbox gaming headsets, PlayStation gaming headsets, DJ headphones, iPod headphones, and MP3 headphones. And now for the listeners of Know the Score, Skull Candy offers free standard shipping on your order. To help keep our podcast free, order from Skull Candy by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Skull Candy banner and then shop for high quality audio accessories with free standard shipping. It's now time for the KTS polls. Of course, last week we had some poll winners uh, for Play of the Week. We had Kawhi Winner 
ripping Steph Curry in the open court and finishing with a dunk on Kevin Durant, which got 50% of the vote. Uh, I ride the pine. Went to the Sixers front office for turning away R&B artist Seven Streeter for singing the national anthem at their game because her shirt read We Matter. And that got 75% of the vote. And our score of the week was 3-1, which is the Cav- Cavaliers commemorating the deficit they overcame to win the NBA Finals with customized championship rings. And they got 80% of the vote. Of course, we encourage all of our listeners to vote, of course, to avoid the drill. that can vote via our website at notascore.cspn.us. And you can, of course, follow the hashtags KTSPod or KTSPolls. Also, our hosts will retweet our poll questions for all of our followers to get their votes in as well. Our first will be the play of the week. The play of the week is a single sports play. Um, CJ, you have a particular uh, play of the week? I'm going to go with Des Bryant's catch between two Eagles that tied the game up on last Sunday night because as much as people have shown love to Dak Prescott for being, you know, the answer for Cowboys quarterback and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, becoming the next Evan Smith possibly, Des needs to step up to make that, you know, triplet thing happen the way he did back in the day with Troy Aikman, Evan Smith, and Michael Irvin. And it seems like with that catch, Des is starting to, you know, Reestablish himself as what he should be, and that's a top five receiver in the NFL. It was a big play in the game, it tied it up late. Of course, the Cowboys won it over time, so I'm gonna go with Dez's catch between two Eagles. My uh, pick a play of the week, okay? Uh, Jeremy, your play of the week. Oh man, the RBI double by Ben Zobers that started the rally to win the World Series. I mean, what other play do I remember at, during this week? Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, big Ben Zobris, you know, the mayor of Chicago, he, you know, and that RBI double that started the rally, man. Absolutely, I'm going with my play of the week was uh, the uh, Steph Curry uh, behind the back pass to Kevin Durant on time for a three pointer against the Thunder. Um, that play typified that night, a, a pretty good night for the Warriors. Um, and that actually just typifies what uh, what Steve Steve Kerr and all the way up the organization dreamed of when Kevin Durant signed for the Warriors. And there are going to be plenty more of those moments as the season goes along. Uh, of course, we're just all going to watch to see if it ends up in an actual championship. But yeah, that that play was a, was an awesome play, um, just on time, and it just the ball just came up perfectly right into Kevin's uh, shooting position, which is super difficult to do because he passed it around three people. So uh, that's gonna be my play of the week. Um, we move on to ride the pine. I ride the pine goes to the person, um, person or team who has done the most to hurt his or her standing in the sports world and simply needs to have a seat. Um, Jeremy, we'll start with you. Uh, anybody needs to ride the pine this week? I mean, I love her, uh, Melissa Harris Perry. Um, don't be questioning my beautiful, elegant, smart first lady as she supports the north side of Chicago. It, it, come on, not really be doing this. We can't just all come as one and celebrate the torment of uh, of Cubs fans everywhere without saying, well, you from the south, south side, you put the leather sock. Frank Kaminsky took care of all that for Sox fans by not wanting us to win and finally gave in after the last out. So, Marissa Harris Perry, yeah, you, you can't do that to the first lady. Uh, let me also add that, um, you know, lest she forget, not only is she not from the, from Chicago, but last time I checked, WGN was, is a superstation, meaning that it was broadcast all over the country. People have been able to watch Cubs teams for years. 
no matter where you are in the country. I'm one of them. I'm from New Orleans. See, there you go. I'm from I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. I watch Cub games just about as much as I watch the Atlanta Braves games. Just saying. Uh, CJ, you're a ride to pod. Well, if we're going to talk about riding and you know pine, you know, and wood or faux wood. I gotta give it to the Buffalo Bills fans that do a dildo on the field at the uh, at, at the crux of the New England Patriots game last week. Okay, so the Patriots are already screwing you. Big deal. Don't do that. I mean, I got a shout out to the referee who just kind of looked at it and said, "I ain't touching it." Other referees are like, "Well, I ain't touching it either." So they just kicked it to the sideline, and apparently it stayed there. But Bills fans, this wasn't the time to get around. Don't throw dildos on the field. So Buffalo Bills fans, I'm giving you the ride the pine for the week. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially after coming off what they did for Colin Kaepernick the week before, they're they're just not on a good run right now. Nah, but I had the other <laughs> question: what what happens to the guy when he comes home and she's mad because he threw the goat? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question I had. I had questions about this. Okay, Any questions. Um, Chris Saturday said, "Like hey, we know that they've been screwing you for the last what." 12 years now, you understand that. You didn't have to put the metaphor out there on the field. <laughs> All right. Uh, my my ride to Pine, uh, we had a couple of good candidates, but I'm going to go with NCAA President Mark Emmer. Um, of course, the NCAA is one of my personal top five biggest rackets. Um, he reacted to Ben Simmons' Showtime documentary, Run and Done, with the comments, if someone wants to be a pro basketball player and doesn't go to college, then don't go to college. We don't put a gun to your head. First and foremost, it's about being at a student at a university. We're in the human development business. Okay, Mark. Uh, we don't believe you. You need more people. Uh, first of all, we can talk about... All, we can sit here and talk about all day. Um, the... Southeastern Conference just released numbers where uh, they actually receive athletic contributions more than academic contributions to the universities on average. Hmm. Okay, sure. Uh, we can talk about uh, we can talk about the the amount of money going to athletic programs for bowl participation and bowl winnings. Okay, sure. Uh, we can talk about the NCAA being a a nonprofit, but they're assisting in all of these, uh, you know, all of the TV rights and all of the money distribution involved. But yet, you know, when it comes to players, fine. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, Mark, Mark, for selling us a, a bit of goods, even though it is a dumb rule, you compounded your statement by saying this very thing. Um you're not in the you're human development business, sure, but you're also in the business to dole out, distribute, make money, and run championships. Be be honest with us. That's all. Okay. Um, as we move to our final stat, which will be the score of the week, which is a single number or a statistic that's outstanding. It can be current or historic. Um, we go to Jeremy for your score of the week. Um, as Marshawn has said, you know why I'm here. It's the Cubs. 108 years, man. 108. <laughs> We're finally done with this. They changed the the, the score on by, by the bleachers. That's after curse. I put out a tweet that said it's after I woke up. It's six hours after curse. It's, it's over. It's 108. 108 that signifies 
we no longer have to deal with the nonsense of being the quote lovable losers, and we could just go on our lives and cheering for the team, saying we got this one. So, hundred eight. In a fitting mood of symmetry, as we've already talked about, Cam Newton for his uh, outfit wearing two certain colors. Um, uh, going back to 1908, <laughs> as the founder, uh, that was the actual year that organization was founded. So, <laughs> 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 Perfect round of symmetry. Oh. My mother is a part of the same organization, so oh. just wanted to give them a customary shout out to them as well. Uh, CJ, your uh, score of the week. Before I get my score of the week, I just want to say yes, I'm in the AKAs too. So, Cam Newton, you can get a big ski week from me, homeboy. Anyway, <laughs> my stat of the week, I'm going retro for it. Considering that Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double and LeBron is pretty close, we're going to go back to the year of our Lord, 1981-82. 18.6 points, 19.6, 9.6, excuse me, and 9.5 rebounds per game. Who put that number up? One Urban Magic Johnson. He is the closest player in the last 35 years to average a triple, the couple close to averaging a triple-double since Oscar Robertson did it in 1961-62. And Magic didn't even finish in the top five in the MVP voting that year. Lakers fans might remember he got the coach fired that year, so that might have something to do with it. But when you put up that type of video game number, win an NBA championship, that should be something that LeBron and Westbrook should shoot for. Because while it's cool to just be a scorer, Magic is probably one of the top three players in the game just by being an all-around presence. He could score the ball, even though he was listed as a point guard. He used that six times to his advantage on the board. And, of course, he always found guys in the right places to score with pass, you know, the passes. So... If that's anything for LeBron that that's left for LeBron to shoot for after he's already ended 52 years of misery in Cleveland, he should try to surpass 18.6 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 9.5 assists per game. So that's my uh, stat of the week. All right. And my score of the week is 513 or 513 total passing yards for the current Castro, GT, uh, Castro GTO uh Clutch player, the clutch performer of the week, uh, Derek Carr, 513 passing yards and a 30 to 24 overtime win over the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Carr has been terrific this year. He is my fantasy quarterback, and he was, uh, you know, he pretty much hit on all cylinders. And yes, he has some outstanding talent with him. Uh, uh, Michael Crabtree has been awesome. Uh, Amari Cooper is quietly become joining who is. Uh, Former uh, his fellow Alabama teammate um, Julio Jones is one of the best better receivers in the country. I mean, in the uh, NFL, uh, he's got a lot of weapons to choose from, but you still got to make the throw. And Card made everyone count, including his um, his pass to uh, Zach Roberts, who broke two tackles and ended up winning the game. I mean, Seth Roberts uh, who made it do a perfect pass to Roberts, and Roberts did the rest as they won 30 24 in overtime. Uh, as we go on to conclude the show, um, before our final thoughts, need to get out the word that the Know the Score Fantasy League is in progress, and we have an undefeated team making a tremendous run right now, uh, and it is the producers, the defending champion, by the way, in the Know the Score League. Uh, they're 8-0, and they're quite... Uh, the GM is actually quite fearful this week because he's got several key players that are um, that are sitting out for the bye week. 
um, a lot with the Arizona Cardinals. He has David Johnson, who is arguably the best fantasy buy all um, this year. Um, but yeah, the producers are at it again. They're eight and zero. You got several teams fighting for the other top two positions. But in our standings, we want to talk about as far as fantasy stars. You know, you have your, of course, you have Matt Ryan who leads the NFL in in uh, in QB rating, deep throws, uh, yardage, and touchdowns. Um, any other guys that stand out for you for fantasy? Um, CJ and Jeremy. Uh, well, talk about my money league right quick. Oh, and I'm also in the um, the good fellas that climb the college league. I'm six and two, I believe, in that league. Um, six, three, or five, and three, one of those others. Um, but I want to talk about Allen Robertson, who is not a fancy star, even though I invested a fourth round pick in him. And um, Aaron Rodgers, who finally came to play because he too was not a fancy star. And for some strange reason, I'm six and two in that league, even though I've had to deal with that, those hardships and um, Goody Nelson. So, yeah. I have fantasy goats in my league, and some strange reason, defenses and kickers have been helping me win games. Any particular um, highlights for your fantasy uh, teams, uh, CJ? This is where I totally tell myself I've not played fantasy football for 14 years, and I probably won't ever again. So I honestly don't know a dog thing about fantasy football, so I'll just leave this one to you guys. See, see, when you get it, see, that's why we get that notice score perspective because. It's, um, you know, fantasy is one of those things where you kind of have to have to step in lightly and then you get better as it goes along. Uh, as luck may dictate it, you could, you know, you could be the Cubs and just simply waiting. Uh, your standings for the league, uh, you have Captain America at 8-0. Uh, of course, he, his teams, he leads, he, of course, leads the league with 853 points. Uh, you have Bad Advice Bone at 6-2. and two. You know, Granddaddy's. Uh, you have Granddaddy's dogs at five and three. Shout out to Chris. Uh, look at the coup, which is also five and three. And No Goodell is to prosper. It's five and three. Uh, then you have four teams tied at four and four. Uh, you have uh, you have ten dog pound. Uh, you have my uh, you have my squad. You have the knowers of scores and. The Power and Glory, which is owned by Don Delorente, uh, all at four and four. Then you have uh, your Kings of the Yard, which is uh, Ubias's squad. They are struggling at two and six. Then you have um, YS Tebow, a New York Met, and they probably <laughs> which is one and seven. And bringing up the rear, uh, you have uh, Super Null, which is. Uh, which is uh, Jesse's team, and they are still looking for their first win of the season. And that is your fantasy league brought to you by Know the Score. As we close out the show today, we just want to um, give you an opportunity to express your final thoughts. Uh, we want to thank you guys for coming along. Thanks to Jeremy and, of course, CJ Starchild. And remind you guys, uh, CJ has an upcoming show for you. Um, he's the host of Riding It Rolling. Um, you can. Uh, Check them out on your on any any type of medium where you listen to your podcast. Uh, CJ, you want to give a final thought? Um, really, really, I just want to thank you guys for um, having me on. Glad to come on and uh, help out. You know, another great host of the podcast production. Honestly, 
I don't have any other thoughts other than actually I've changed my Twitter handle to reflect uh, the fact that I spend most of my days now writing for local newspapers and trying not to kill myself as I put together a novel. So you can follow me on Twitter at CJ Writes and Thags. That's W-R-I-T-E-S, the letter N, and Thags, T-A-N-G-S. All right. We'll definitely get that out there. Uh, Jeremy, your final thoughts? Um, yeah, a couple things. Um, it's going to end on a solemn note. Sorry, guys. But um, one, one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen, Ray Allen, he's called him to quit. So, shout out to Jesus. Um, I always put him ahead of Steph Curry before last year, the greatest shooter, because he went off the dribble and would bang on people. And people, and a lot of guys don't really talk about his Milwaukee and Seattle days where he just was a destroying people at the rim as well as coming off those screens and hitting threes. Um, so, shouts out to him. And shouts out to the man who, the first man I ever loved, my grandfather. Um, he just passed away yesterday. And, you know, um, I, I'm not going to cry or anything on here, but I just want to let you, um, let the world know that, you know, love you and I miss you. And um, happy that you're no longer in pain. All right. I'm done. All right. Rest in peace, of course. Uh, and we thank you for coming on the show, man, because that's – that was big, and hopefully he's he's happy as celebrating with you. Um, and of course, uh, congratulations to all the Cubs fans out there. Um, the drought is over. Um, I'm going to close the show with a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to thank in advance. As next week we celebrate and honor uh, all of our veterans, Veterans Day. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, as we are in an election season of. Uh, the military is a very polar, has a very polarizing view for many people in this country, but for those people who um, make their sacrifices every day, um, we're totally appreciative. Um, I have several in my family, my uh, even my own grandfather who fought in Korea and Vietnam. Uh, just want to uh, say thank you for all of those who listen to this broadcast. Um, I wish y'all a happy Veterans Day. I actually will be in D.C. Uh, celebrating the uh celebrating with my friends um several of you listeners here um the bourbon ball makes its return to dc uh next friday it's a sold out event but several of us will be in attendance we want to thank all of you listeners for supporting uh supporting the bourbon ball um it's a great great event that brings people together i want to thank my producer Classic material for actually having one of the hosts of the having the host of the Bourbon Ball, who's Corn, who's a big supporter of this show. Um, I also want to just continue to thank everyone who listens and our all of our guests for coming on because you know obviously we are nothing without you guys. So for my producer, uh, Classic Materia, uh, my my other co-producer Melanie, uh, beauty, uh, who's underscore Beauty Jackson, get well. Uh, we do this of course for you we thank you we thank you for your support for Jeremy for CJ I am Tyler Ball and now you know the score that's a wrap <laughs>